Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Many people feel that tax rates are remaining the same. Well, if you didn't hear our show with Mark Miller earlier this year, There are many areas where taxes have actually gone up, and in some cases, quite substantially. One of those is in the area of capital gains. While capital gain rates have been reinforced at 15% for long-term capital gains, there are some areas, like capital gain recapture, which are affected by top income tax rates, which currently are at 39.6 if you have over roughly $450,000 of income as a couple. While most people don't reach those types of income levels, they do when there's a sale of a business or assets that might be subject to capital gain recapture and capital gain, such as a farm business. If you're selling your farm, you may have long-term capital gains when you sell the land, but if you're selling machinery, especially at today's prices of a half a million or million dollars for their equipment, if that has been fully depreciated, when that gets sold, it's all taxed at ordinary income tax rates. Same thing with rental properties, whether commercial or residential. When you sell the property, the depreciation recapture isn't at the full ordinary income tax rate. It's at 25%. Another thing that went into effect this year is if you make over $250,000, you also have Obamacare taxes to worry about at 3.8%. Depending on the asset that you're selling, you may have a tax rate between state, federal, Obamacare tax. All these taxes added up in some cases can exceed 50%. And when you have a one-time sale, it pushes all your other income into these higher brackets. So what we're going to talk about today is a way of maybe reducing or even possibly avoiding those capital gain rates. And that's using a technique called a charitable remainder trust. Now, there are many different types of charitable remainder trusts, and your circumstances will help you determine which type you'd want to consider. But this is definitely not something you want to go alone. You're going to have your financial advisor involved. You're going to have an attorney involved that's familiar with this type of planning, as well as a CPA or charitable administration firm that can deal with the issues of the tax returns. This may all sound complicated. It certainly can be worth it for the benefits that are received. Because charitable remainder trust have been part of the tax code since 1973, and they are a tax-exempt entity. So what happens with charitable remainder trust is you have the opportunity to sell an asset, such as a farm, machinery, stocks, real estate, anything that might be subject to capital gains, you can put in this charitable remainder trust, and the trust can sell it with no tax. So why do people use the charitable remainder trust? Because ultimately, whatever you put in this charitable trust does what it says. Whatever remains goes to charity. And charity does not begin at home. It has to be a federally recognized charity. So things like the Boys and Girls Club, Salvation Army, these are all registered charities where you can leave money to in the form of this charitable remainder trust. 
Now, I can talk about all the benefits of philanthropy and what good you can do by leaving money to charity, but for right now, let's not focus on that, and let's just talk about the tax benefits you derive when setting up one of these charitable remainder trusts. The reason people use this is so that they can retain the economic benefit of the assets that they're selling. So let's just use for today's discussion someone selling a million-dollar business, farm machinery. Well, if we're looking at a 39.6% top federal rate, 3.8% for the Obamacare tax, and potentially state taxes, that million dollars might become a half a million. Well, the advantage of the charitable remainder trust is while all the assets stay in the trust because the trust does not have to pay tax. Now, when we set up one of these trusts, the reason it's called a remainder trust is what remains in the trust when we're done with it ends up going to charity. But during our lifetime, we are the beneficiary of the income from that trust. Now, there are many different ways to set up income. You can set it up what's called a charitable remainder annuity trust in which you get a set dollar amount of income, and it's based on a percentage of what you originally put in. So again, let's use the million-dollar example. Let's say you have a 5% payout. You will get $50,000 a year every year. It will not change unless the trust runs out of money and cannot pay anymore. Well, then that would change. But as long as the trust has money, it is going to pay you $50,000 a year. Another type of trust that people use is a charitable remainder unit trust. In that case, you get 5% of the principal of the trust each year. So if that money is reinvested in the marketplace in a diversified portfolio, when the market's going up, you might get a little bit more income. If the market goes down, you get a little bit less income. A lot of times people will pick this solution for an opportunity to have an increasing income stream over time. A third type of charitable remainder trust is the charitable remainder unit trust with net income makeup provisions, otherwise known as a NIMCRUT. In this case, depending on the language of the trust and how the money is invested, someone can set up one of these and put off getting the income till later. Now, this is a lot more details to this than what I'm describing today, but obviously you want to sit down with your team of professionals and make sure you understand this before you enter into one of these types of agreements. Either way you slice it, you have the opportunity for income over your lifetime. And you can add your spouse as a survivor to that income stream. You might even be able to include the kids. But what ends up happening is that income comes for as long as you live. So let's just use that million-dollar example again of machinery. Well, if we were facing losing half of that to all these various taxes, if we had a half a million dollars left after paying the taxes and we invested that money we'd have to get a pretty good return to equal what the return would be potentially on a million dollars. So let's just use that 5% payout. That's $50,000 a year payout. Well, if we took 50000 from the remaining half a million, the likelihood of being able to sustain that income for a very long period of time might be fairly limited. So a big advantage of the charitable trust is it allows the entire economic benefit of that asset to be repositioned to generate income for as long as you live. So that's a big benefit of the charitable trust is now that you're reaching the phase that you might be getting out of a business, now you need to replace the income that that business was providing. This gives you a substantial opportunity to replace at least some of that income on a very advantaged basis.
Now, let's explore that a little bit further. What happens when we give money to charity? What other benefit do we receive besides the good feeling of helping out a very worthwhile cause? If you guessed tax deduction, you're absolutely right. We do get a tax deduction. But now, because the charity isn't receiving these proceeds till after we're gone, we don't get the full benefit of a full deduction as if we would have given the whole asset to charity all at once. We are giving them a remainder interest that's based on some future date. So there's a reduction in the value that charity's actually receiving because we're retaining or holding on that benefit for as long as we live. So the deduction might be 10%, might be 15 might be 40%. It depends on a couple things. It depends on your payout rate. So the higher the payout rate you give yourself, the less likely charity's going to get the full amount of what's there, and it's based on your age. If you're 90, your life expectancy is a lot different than someone who's 30. What happens is the longer you have of life expectancy, the lower the deduction. The more you pay yourself out, the lower the deduction. And conversely, the less you pay yourself out, the higher the deduction. The older you are, the higher the deduction. Let's just take that million-dollar example, and let's say you got a 20% deduction based on the tables. Well, if we had a 20% deduction on a million-dollar asset, that's a $200,000 tax deduction. The way those deductions work, you're limited to only deducting as much as 30% of your income in any one year. Well, for most people, they can't benefit from that full deduction. But there is a nice thing in the tax code that says if we can't fully benefit from the deduction in the current tax year, we can carry forward those deductions up to another five years. Here's why you want your team of professionals. You need the CPA, you need the financial advisor, you need the attorney. But as you're doing this and you're determining how to take advantage of this charitable trust, one thing you don't want to do is give up any deductions. So sometimes it takes a little bit of strategy as to how you're going to get money in the trust and when you're going to get money in the trust to make sure that you're able to take advantage of the deductions. Now, in some cases, People don't have enough income to take advantage of the deductions. Well, one thing we will sometimes do as a strategy, we might sell another asset outside the charitable trust using the deductions to offset the taxes that are being generated by the sale of that asset. That's one way to take advantage of deductions. Another way that you might do that is you might want to consider Roth conversions. If you have IRAs, and you don't necessarily need the money to live on over the next five or more years, you can convert those IRAs to Roths, and rather than paying the tax, use the deduction to offset the taxes owed on those conversions. Again, it takes some calculations to determine what is best for you and how that will work in your overall planning and income strategies that you're looking at going forward. We're going to take a short break, and we come back, We're going to discuss a little bit more of how a charitable trust works and how it might be a great strategy for reducing or limiting your tax burden if you're considering to sell some assets that might be subject to some substantial capital gains. Please stay tuned. And now a personal story from the 2010 Life Foundation Spokesperson for Life Insurance Awareness Month, actress Leslie Bibb, whose recent credits include roles in Iron Man 2, Confessions of a Shopaholic, and Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Leslie was just three years old when her dad died. 
At that time, Leslie had no idea what life insurance was and how it benefited her mother. Today, Leslie realizes the enormous impact it had on her life. Let's hear her story. Hi, I'm Leslie Bibb. Photos are my memories. My parents together, dancing to their favorite song and celebrating with friends. Young and in love, they never suspected that their lives together would be cut short. Everything changed when my mother received the awful call that there had been an accident and my father hadn't survived. All of a sudden, the task of raising four girls and keeping our family together fell on her shoulders. But my mom's burden was lessened by my dad's thoughtfulness. His life insurance policy enabled our family to pick up and carry on. The love we show while we are alive is why we live. The love we show after we are gone allows life to continue on. My dad loved us enough to expect the unexpected. Life insurance was his legacy of love to us. No one should be left grieving and in need. Take care of your loved ones by thinking ahead to the unthinkable. Learn more at lifehappens.org, a public service message from the Nonprofit Life Foundation. Welcome back as we're continuing to discuss a planning strategy of charitable remainder trust, which provide a substantial benefit if you have an asset that you're looking to sell that is going to be subjected to substantial capital gains. Before the break, we talked about how you could put an asset that you're considering selling into a charitable trust, sell the asset, and avoid all the tax on capital gains. We also talked about how that could provide lifetime income and how it can create a tax deduction and how you might be able to take advantage of those deductions. Well, now I want to talk a little bit more about how the charitable trust works. With a trust, you have three positions. You have the position of trustor or grantor. That's the people or person that creates the trust. Then you have the position of trustee, and that's who manages the assets in the trust for the trust maker. And then you have the beneficiary, and that's who receives the benefits of the trust. If we look at a charitable remainder trust, a lot of times we have clients that choose to be their own trustee. While they can be their own trustee, if they're using a non-publicly traded asset to fund the trust, then they need an independent trustee to deal with the sale of that asset. Now, that can be a friend or neighbor who steps in to take care of that process, and then immediately upon the liquidation of that asset, the client could step back into being trustee. Also, as grantor of the trust, you have the ability to determine what type of charitable trust. We talked about the different types, the charitable remainder unit trust, the annuity trust, and the net income with makeup charitable remainder unit trust. There's several different types of trust. There's payout rates, determining who the charities are going to be. All those different types of issues are what's decided upon by the grantor. And then as far as beneficiary is concerned, the initial beneficiary or income beneficiary is typically going to be the client as long as they live. And then we have the remainder beneficiary, which would be the charity, which the clients will pick. And it can be more than one. And you can reserve the right to change charities because as time goes on, your feelings may change as far as who you want to leave the money to. But at the end, it has to go to a federally registered charity, a 501c3. So that's something that you have to work out with your advisors. Now, let's talk about some of the challenges and how to overcome those challenges if you decide to use a charitable remainder trust in your planning. Well, one of the challenges is obviously, we talked about this earlier, charity does not begin at home. For many families, 
this is a real stumbling block because if we're dealing with something like the sale of a business, many times a family business might represent 70, 80, 90 percent of a person's net worth. And if they worked hard and they wanted to leave money to the kids or the grandkids, and now we're giving all this to charity, well, that can really put a damper on plans. So what happens if we still want the kids to benefit from some, if not all, of the assets or proceeds from the sale of this asset? Well, one opportunity or option that you might have is we use the example of a million-dollar machinery, which might have been subject to half of that due to depreciation and state taxes, Obamacare tax, federal taxes, top tax rates, that maybe we were at risk of losing half of that asset to capital gains. Well, one way to look at that is if we were going to lose half of it, well, the kids weren't going to get that half anyway. But the half a million dollars that they would have gotten now is no longer going to them. What can we do to make it up to them? One thing is, if we're getting twice as much income, because remember, we're keeping all the money, so instead of having a net of a half a million, we have a million earning interest for us. And let's just say, again, we're at a 5% payout. Well, if we had 5% return on a half a million dollars, that's 25 grand a year. Well, now we got a 5% on a million dollars, that's 50,000 a year. What we might look at is what's called second-to-die insurance in the case of a couple or a single life insurance policy that can replace that wealth. Well, if we look at it, it's just a numbers calculation to see whether or not this makes sense. So let's say, for example, that it cost us $10,000 a year to purchase a half a million dollar policy. Now, I don't know what the cost is going to be. It's all going to be based on your personal circumstances, your age, your health, whether it's on a single life, if it's second to die, it can all make a difference in the premiums. But if the premiums were, let's say, $10,000 a year, if we're getting 50000 a year versus twenty five, well, if I take ten grand out to pay insurance premiums, I'm still getting more income than had I sold that asset and paid the capital gains. So it's something that you want to look at. I would say half the clients that I've been involved in charitable remainder trust with had no charitable intention whatsoever, and they wanted to make sure the kids were taken care of. And the numbers made sense when all was said and done, because what ended up happening is they got a little bit more income during their retirement, they got the benefits of the tax deductions, and their kids still got what they wanted to leave them. And at the end of the day, charity did benefit. So it ended up being a win-win-win. In some cases, the charity is what's really important for people. And in my case, I believe it's one of the most powerful things you can do is leave a legacy of giving behind. So as you're thinking about the charities, one thing you can do is just have money immediately go to charities. You can also allow for money to be held in trust by using something like a donor-advised fund where your kids might be in charge of giving money to charity over the years. So if you have a substantial enough asset that you can help multiple beneficiaries with and get the kids and maybe even the grandkids involved, what a legacy that you can leave behind by taking advantage of these charitable trusts especially if right now you might not be in a position to give because you need money for yourself to take care of your day-to-day -day expenses. When you're done using that money after you pass away, you can commit that money to charity 
and you can commit your family into that legacy of giving. It's a powerful, powerful tool. So here's something to consider. When doing charitable remainder trust planning, one of the rules in order to get all these benefits is you cannot have a prearranged sale. And all too often, we have clients calling that say, hey, I just sold an asset. What can I do about the taxes? Once you've committed to a sale, you're pretty much committed to the taxes. There's not a lot of planning you can do after the fact. And our recommendation is sit down with your financial advisor when you first have an inkling that you might consider doing this type of planning, that you might be selling a business or a highly appreciated asset and find out whether or not this is something you're going to want to accomplish or not. It's not something that you can go into your advisor's office at 3 in the afternoon and walk out at 4 o'clock and be ready to go. You have to take the time to really analyze what's best for you. And as we said, this is a team approach. You need a qualified estate planning attorney that understands charitable remainder trust. You need a CPA that understands charitable remainder trust and can provide the tax returns because they are complex. And you need your financial advisor to make sure because when you do these charitable trusts, it's irrevocable to the extent that once you commit to the charitable trust, you're committed. You can't change your mind and say, oh, I need my money back because you're committing to that program. Now, with that commitment comes tremendous benefits So you want to make sure you go into it full knowing that you've explored all your options so that once you commit to this, you sleep peacefully every night knowing that you made the right decision. So thanks again for joining us. Talk to your advisor if you have some assets subject to capital gains and see if there's some ways you can save some taxes, do some great things for not only a worthwhile cause of a charity, but you can also do some wonderful things for your family. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.